0: Welcome to We Mentor Mondays with Nancy podcast. Get inspired. Break through to new dimensions with your entrepreneurial peers on the path to self-leadership mastery and life success. Redefine how you lead as you redesign your business. I call this dual innovation leadership. Take charge of who you next become. Feel more deeply to think, act, lead, and mentor more clearly and effectively. Discover something new from our meaningful conversation today. Hi, I'm Nancy. Today we're talking about filling life's buckets with guest mentor Heather Boschke. Heather Boschke is a strategic marketing leader with over 20 years of experience that spans Fortune 20 companies to nonprofit organizations. In 2021, she left the corporate world and started a marketing organization, Vogel Venture, to help small and medium-sized businesses drive growth and engagement regardless of team size or budget. The word Vogel means bird in German. Which speaks to her heritage and the strategic bird's eye approach combined with the tactical planning she brings to clients. How awesome is that? Uh, Since 2008, Heather has been an adjunct professor at Metro. Metro State University, teaching an undergrad marketing class. Heather also sits on the board of directors for Breakthrough Twin Cities, a nonprofit organization that helps high-potential and under-resourced kids access college. She started birding and drawing, hence the theme about birds. She started drawing birds as a creative outlet during the COVID lockdown, and she used her illustrations to write and publish a children's book, called Little Birdie Buddies of Minnesota, a believer in filling up all of life's buckets. Heather is passionate about helping people unlock the answer to this most critical question, what sets your soul on fire? Well, we're going to find out what sets Heather's soul on fire. Heather was referred to me by a friend. We had a delightful Zoom conversation, which led to today's conversation that I'm going to have with her. I'm so excited. Uh, You'll get to know Heather and how she fills her life's buckets. I hope you'll gain a broader perspective of your life and brand by using, or or not using, but really understanding how Heather fills her life's buckets. I suggest we call filling life's buckets a form of life branding, you know, expanding how we describe ourselves. All right, well, without further ado, hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Nancy. How are you feeling
1: this Monday morning? You know what? I am so grateful to be talking to you. (laughs)
0: Terrific. Well, me too. And just expanding, um, you know, each guest mentor, I love to research and learn more about them behind the scenes. And um, the more that I was getting to know you, the more I just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, Um, you know, she's almost like a bestie. Yes, I love that. You
1: know what? My heart sees your heart. I love that.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, what was your, um, let's just jump right into it. What was your upbringing? bringing like let's start with like your family of origin
1: yeah you know what I would say it was it was fun it was happy I was a you know easygoing I guess as easygoing as a type A kid could be but it was a good upbringing so my dad was a textbook and he still is a textbook extrovert he was a mechanical engineer he also was an adjunct professor which is is where I think I got a little bit of the motivation to also do that because I saw what my dad did and I thought I want to do that too And he played harmonica in a band, and he teaches harmonica now at his senior center. And he now also is in charge of pickleball back home. And so he just loves being busy, and that was very much the energy he brought into our household. Very supportive, fun-loving, encouraging, a bit of a jokester, and, of course, protective. And then my mom, you know, she is a very strong, a proud Thoughtful woman. She is very worrisome, also very responsible, and definitely the yin to my dad's yang in terms of she's more of an introvert and would prefer to be on the couch reading. And she was going to college to be a teacher and stopped going to help put my dad through school. And so she always expressed how important it was that I graduate college and be able to create a living for myself. And I think a lot of my independence grew from the roads that my mom felt that she didn't take and her desire for me to really be able to stand on my own.
0: Oh, that's really a beautiful story. And so your mom never went back to finish your No, she didn't. Okay, but she went and and uh, poured her energy into making sure you got a college education. Yeah,
1: that's right. She stayed home to raise me and my younger brother. And then she ended up working for US Bank for like 20 some years, started as a bank teller and then worked her way into the corporate training department. So yeah, she she loved it there.
0: Oh wow, a little bit like my um, mom. As far as her mother told her um, that she didn't need um, to get. She was always interested in nursing, so she went and got her a licensed practical nursing degree. But her, she wanted to to get an RN, um, become a registered nurse. But um, her mother said, "You don't need to become a registered nurse because you're going to be a stay at home mom. Mom, so what do you need that for?" Yeah. Um, Um, You know, and so she was always really focused on helping us get educated and also um, pursue what we enjoy in life um, and make sure we do it to the fullest extent that we possibly can.
1: I love that. And it's it's so interesting how every generation it's like they want to give all the things that they didn't have. And so for all the women who felt like they had no choices, they want nothing more to make sure that their daughters have all the choices that they wish they had.
0: Yeah, exactly. So who else was in your home besides your mom and dad growing up? Did you have any siblings?
1: I did. So I have a younger brother who now lives in California. And, you know, I was the firstborn, type A, responsible. And as you can imagine, he is the polar opposite. Doesn't mean he's not responsible, but he is very laid back. He is the more of a
0: free spirit.
1: <laughs> he, that is the perfect <laughs> way to describe my brother. He is an absolute free spirit, and so um, he really was the perfect complement to rounding out our family.
0: Oh, nice! So, where did you grow up? So I grew up? up
1: in a small town in southeastern Wisconsin called Pewaukee. When I was growing up, it was a town of less than 10,000, and my graduating high school class was, I think, 105 students, so it felt very small, and and I loved it. It was, you know, a small town. You knew everyone. You know, I remember going to the library, like, every weekend and just combing through the books because I loved reading as a kid, and so it just was. It was an easy, small town where, I mean, not a lot of action happened, so it felt very kind of safe, protected, um, small town.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on a dairy farm in Parker's Prairie. Um, yeah. Northwest of, of the twin cities. And I can relate to the, yeah, the small town environment and the freedom that you have to kind of roam around and kind of develop a- and create your own activities where, so you would, would spend some of your time at the library. What, where else? Yeah. So like, growing up, loved
1: reading, like would always get lost in books and also drawing like From a kid on, there was just something so magical to me about having a blank piece of paper, you know, and then hours later, you've created something. And so that's always been something that I lose track of time, definitely my flow zone. Um, And also growing up, you know, I loved playing outside. I loved playing (laughs) sports. You know, we grew up before social media and computers, and so we played kick the can and, we ran around on our bikes with our friends. So I definitely think fondly of my times growing up of, you mentioned that freedom to just be a kid and be able to play. And I think that really led to a lot of that independence and confidence because when you're out on your own and you don't know what time it is and there's no phone, like you have to make decisions and sometimes you make the right ones and sometimes you don't and you, <laughs> you learn through that too. So yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That sounds wonderful. So um, what did you like? Are you doing some of the well, you're doing the activities of illustrating that got
1: lost and buried along the way, you know, especially as you grow up in life and responsibilities. And for me, middle school is when I sort of started to lose art, like grade school, loved it. Middle school, you know, you start to find friends and boys and sports and art and drawing just sort of I just lost it. And over time, you know, having jobs and then adding that level of responsibility and it wasn't until 2021. And there's been three distinct times in my life where I felt like I was getting like nudges from the universe. And that was a time, like something was yeah. calling me, like you need to draw again. You need to pick up a pen. You need to create again.
0: Oh, what a great it was way such, to get I mean, truly, COVID. It was oh one of,
1: and I know COVID was awful and, heartbreaking and devastating for so many um, and yet for me there is this gift of having the time to be able to go back to something that just brought me such simple joy and now it's something that I don't know if I would have gotten there without the the space and the time and reflection that COVID allowed um, and it's something that I, I never want to let go of again
0: yeah yeah Oh, that's wonderful. It's really good to hear that. Yeah, it's like me, you know, with the podcast, uh, just really feeling like um, this was something I had dreamed of in Mm. college, actually, you know, just being behind the mic. And there were, uh, you know, like through teaching and everything, I I was in front of people and speaking engagements. Um, But the podcast was just something, you know, that opened up that like created this whole new avenue.
1: I love that. And I applaud the fact that you listened to your heart and you followed that. And I almost think those of us that were in the place of privilege to be able to look at COVID as a gift, it's almost like we have a duty to do something with it that is going to create good and put joy out into the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you were younger, when you were reflecting back on some of the questions that um, I let you know I was going to ask you, um, what was one big challenge that you overcame during your childhood and teen years?
1: You know, I don't think anyone makes it out of childhood unscathed. (laughs) I think, you know, I was made fun of a lot for being, you know, physically, and, and I was just this wiry little beanpole, and I was taller and very awkward, and my limbs are all long, and so I was made fun of a lot for physically how I looked, and also being sort of a weirdo. Like, I was loud, and I said things because my family environment very much encouraged us to be who we were and who I was, this little weirdo singing and running around and just being me like that was okay. And then, you know, you get out into the world of friends and and girl groups and you quickly realize like, oh, all the things that were okay in my little produ- protective bubble of my family became reasons of ridicule in grade school and in middle school. And so I actually don't know if I ever really overcame it because I think what happened was that's where the seeds of conformity started to get planted in me. And all I wanted to do was fit in and be like everyone else since I got made fun of for the things that made me different. And so this concept of fitting in and doing what everyone else was doing was very much the default of how I lived, I would say, most of my adult life. And I, I do think it started from when like being myself and how I did things wasn't okay.
0: Yeah. So you were kind of like, it feels like almost that that you were shamed into conforming.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I can remember, and this sounds ridiculous right now. I remember buying protein shakes and chugging protein shakes to try to gain and just trying to, you know, I'd want to say something and I would just like really actively in my brain think, okay, um, be calm, don't get, because I was a hype, like everyone always said, you're hyper. And that's just, I'm just a high energy person. And so I remember just actively trying to hide what my natural state was.
0: I can relate to that too. Yeah. that And a lot of people can. I, I mean, yeah. that's, I've never heard anybody quite, you know, say it quite like that. I I think that's so true. And how did you talk? You probably didn't talk to anybody about it, like your parents or
1: no? And you know, I, what I love about this time we're in now is that therapy and talking to people and sharing your emotions is so much more common. And I love that. And for me at the time, no. And and honestly, my family as awesome as my family bubble was, my parents were just very, we didn't really talk about things like a fight would happen, or something would happen. And like the next day at breakfast, everyone's smiling. And so it's this interesting, I I really just it was okay, I don't talk about it, I just figure out how to deal with it. And what's funny now is that that has caused me to swing the pendulum completely in the other direction. (laughs) And my poor husband, like, I need to talk about everything now. (laughs) Like, I need to, like, finding resolution is so important to me because growing up, it was like, wait a minute, aren't we going to? put that in a bow and tie that up so that it can, you know, go away. But so, yeah, it's, I didn't really talk about that at all. And I think that that came out in all sorts of ways that led me obviously on the path that I'm on now, but, um, I wish it was easier. I wish I could have talked about it. Cause I think everyone would have said the same thing that you just said. of We all feel this way and actually your differences are what make you so special. And that's your superpower.
0: How you know? they express themselves and even their yeah. own insecurities and, um, vulnerabilities, you know, um, so many of us go to great lengths to cover that up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, when you start to let people in to see all of you, not just the parts that you think are like pretty enough to show the world. It's amazing how when you let yourself be seen in that way, how you just open that vulnerability channel that allows people to also let themselves be seen and Getting to experience someone at that level, that's where true connections can be built and formed.
0: Yeah, because you don't have like the shame in the middle of the relationship. Yeah, and the pretending too. Yeah, the pretending. Like you take all that away yes. and it's just really like true connecting with each other. Like let's just lay things out on the table. And what's nice about it is you know where you're at. Yes, there's, there's not a lot of guesswork.
1: Yeah, and vulnerability is just, it's like the highway to trust because when you can be vulnerable and you can be honest and be yourself with someone, then that is when true, like the true foundation of trust can be built and it can be built so quickly because no one's navigating a bunch of BS or, you know, fakeness. We're all just sort of putting our stuff out there and you can take those pieces and say, you know what, I've been there too. And actually us having this in common this is how we're going to be a stronger connection together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it's so empowering. Yeah. And yeah. as you grow yeah. in depth in the relationship, like there's always this shake up, you know, internally before we take the next risk yes. with the person in a relationship emotionally. And it, it's like, that's, that's the sign that you're growing in the relationship is when you have like that, it feels like a volcanic moment where you're shifting. And you don't know, you know, how the other person yes, is going to so respond. Right. And that's
1: the, that's like the magic of being human It's because everyone gets to make their own choices. And so when you put that line out and you start to kind of show a little bit of yourself and you're like, okay, are you going to accept this? Are you going to take this? It is such a beautiful thing because you don't know which way it's going to go. And so when somebody grabs that line, you know, it, it truly is, um, it's magic.
0: Yeah, and you, and it's something that you experience like throughout your life. If you've got like longer-term relationships, yeah, um, and especially if you're with a partner for a long time, um, y- you know, it's really wonderful to be able to kind of know that in the relationship you're going to keep growing together.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're,
0: you're going to keep working things out as they grow, and there's no cap on how much either of you can grow in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that that is something that I never experienced um, in the household that I grew up in. And so it's really nice to kind of be pioneering, right, our own ways to be in relationship with each other that has a really depth to it that feels so good and nurturing and wants to, you know, it's inspiring to like a person yes, yes. wants and, to grow you know, more. There's
1: nothing more boring than just, oh, I'm going to be the same person all the time. I mean, that is the point of life is to explore the different parts of yourself and to be with people, whether it's your actual family or chosen family that let you fly in that way without judgment or without condition, like that is, I think that's what everyone wants. That is what everyone wants.
0: Conformity is really about control. And it's also about really, um, it's not about unconditional love. It's really about controlling a person's growth.
1: Yes, because because it's scary. Because someone could outgrow you, right? That's what you think. Well, if they get too big or if they move away, they might forget me. And so that it does. It's so funny. All of the suffering in our <laughs> life comes comes back to like the stories we make up in our
0: heads. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's also important for us to, um, you know, as you have been growing um, and planting your own seeds of individuality and adventure and exploring a new universe through business ownership and really uh, tapping into all of your life's buckets as much as you can, um, I I just think that that um, opens up a whole new world of unconditional love and, and joy. That you can experience without kind of open up the floodgates in that way. Yes. So, so you per- yeah you pursued a marketing degree from the U of M. Uh, what drew you to marketing?
1: Yes, and so my undergrad was actually from Wisconsin, so I went to Madison for my undergrad, and then oh, you I got did my, okay. My MBA at the U, yeah, here here in Minnesota. And actually, um, I was, I didn't know, like most 17-year-olds, we don't know what we're, half the time I'm looking around going, I don't know, am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to be doing right now? (laughs) And I didn't really know what I wanted to pursue. And my mom kind of had the idea of, you know, a physical therapist, that could be a great career path to, you know, consider. And so I kind of was going on that track and I had an undergrad marketing class and I just felt like somebody turned the lights on. And Mm. He was talking about the four P's of product, price, place, promotion, and how, you know, marketing connects an organization to its customers. And I just thought I could, this, this is a job, like I could do this. And after that light got switched on, I sort of never went back and I've been so grateful to have gotten that spark so early um, because I've enjoyed, you know, over 20 years of getting to do that. And that is also the reason why I teach too. Is if if I can create that light bulb moment for other students, because I know how impactful that was in my life. I mean, truly, that's yeah. I I can
0: see that. So, do Fortune twenty companies market differently than small businesses outside of having bigger, bigger marketing budgets?
1: I mean, budgets are different. The size of teams are different. The goals might be different. For example. You know, someone might be focused more on leads and sales versus engagement, but marketing is ultimately the bridge between organizations and customers, and that doesn't change. It's the same process of understanding the goal, choosing the right marketing channels to reach your audience, deploying the tactics that achieve that goal, and then measuring results. And so that that doesn't really change.
0: Yeah, that's nice to kind of put in perspective. You mentioned on LinkedIn that you'd been laid off and fired more than once. What did you learn from those experiences?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's funny when we were talking before about how when you share things with people and you can form that deeper connection. I was on this networking call with a woman last week. Somehow I mentioned, you know, I've been fired twice. And she said, oh, my God, I've been fired once. And I've never said that out loud. And it was just this moment, a bit of therapy of owning it. You know, being fired isn't always the worst thing. You feel like there's shame that goes with it. And somebody actually told me that you're not a true professional until you've been fired. So I feel like, well, I've got that covered in space. (laughs) And and I think, you know, when you get, you know, I kind of call it thrown off the, the hamster wheel, it sort of helped level set my perspective about jobs because, of my tendency as a firstborn type A achiever, I took jobs very seriously. And it's not that I don't take jobs seriously, but at the end of the day, it is simply what I get paid to do. They are just jobs. And it's almost like a haircut. That first big chop is very scary. (laughs) (laughs) And when you get let go the first time or you get fired the first time, it also can feel very scary. But then when you realize that your hair is going to grow back, that there's going to be other jobs, It all just gets easier. And so I do think that one, when something that you use to define yourself goes away, a big part of of how you define yourself goes away like a job. And this is what it did for me. It forced me to go through the exercise of defining myself in other ways. And I think that's the biggest gift of getting let go or getting fired. It's realizing that what you get paid to do is only one part of who you are. And then... The real fun is exploring and lighting up all those other parts of you that are that are there always, but you bury them because the job becomes the most important thing. So I think learning that lesson early um, was really helpful for me because it gave me just a different perspective on a job sort of just being a job.
0: The brilliance of what you're doing right now is helping people kind of re- redefine who they are um, that we're not just one, one aspect of ourselves, but we're, we, we have many multiple gifts and how can you express them um, is a really important uh, place to really develop your full self.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so well said. And I mean, we're not put on this earth to just grind our lives away. It's, it's almost like it is part of our job here to uncover what is in our heart and dump it out. You know, and it's not just what you get paid to do. And it's good to know. And to me, a job is simply a function of, okay, how much do I need to get paid to live the life I want to live? And that looks different for everyone. But I remember when I got thrown off the corporate hamster wheel in 2019, this is the first time my husband and I went through the exercise of, okay, how much do we need to make as a team to live the life we want? And when I sat down and I did the numbers, it was much less than what I was chasing. And that also got me thinking about, I keep chasing more for more's sake. What is enough? And how do I pursue enoughness over more?
0: Oh, I love that. How do you pursue enoughness over more? Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. So take us through, how did you go about starting Vogel Venture, from the idea to when did it come into your mind to launching your business? Yeah,
1: I mean, this was a total accident. (laughs) I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I never thought I'd own my own business. My dad was the first to graduate college in his family. And so what got talked about and really focused on was corporate jobs, because that was stable income. That was a steady you know, professional experience. You worked for a place for a long time. So this idea of like doing my own thing, like that's what crazy entrepreneurs do. That's not me. And so what happened was in 2021, the summer of 2021, I was applying for jobs like I've done, you know, throughout my career. And this was another one of those universe winks where people start You got to pay attention (laughs) to those. And I think the more you pay attention to them, by the way, the more you get, because you got to open that portal. But anyways, I um, was starting to get questions from people around can you do some consulting for us or we've got this project or we just lost our marketing VP could you plug in for like three months while we figure things out and I started to create this demand unintentionally and I just thought I'm over here applying for jobs or I could lean into this thing that's happening over here and at the end of the day if I launch a business and I have no clients in six months I'll just go apply for jobs and get a corporate job because that was the plan anyways. So it didn't feel very risky because I had the demand. And I really just thought, well, we'll just see how the- I'm gonna ride this out and then I'll just find a job when maybe my clients dry up. And it's been awesome. I just went for it. I launched my business officially in October of twenty twenty one. And I mean, knock on wood, I've got no plans to go to go back. It's been it's been great.
0: Awesome. And I, I think that that is what you stated is working for you it is when you're starting up to have a goal um, yeah. of, uh, you know, I'm going to make this work for this length of time and and then evaluate at this point and then see. Um, that's also the, the portal for freedom. Yes,
1: absolutely. And also not, and I think this is where, again, being thrown off the hamster wheel and losing jobs I wasn't getting wrapped into, I never once thought like, okay, what if I go out on my own and then in six months I go back, am I considered an entrepreneurial failure? I didn't have any of those thoughts. It was just, it was like, oh, this path is being illuminated to me, let's walk down it and if the light dims and then I'm going to turn left and follow the light this way. And so there's something about, you know, Mm. just following the signs without judgment and without expectation of the outcome. I think that is also yeah. key to it for me.
0: Yeah. And having the confidence to know that you're going to land on your feet. Right. Right. You know, whatever direction this is going to go, you'll you'll make a decision and land on your yeah. feet. Yeah. That's um, also the element of grounded confidence that Brene Brown mm. talks about in all of her books. Um, on your website – You, um, VogelVenture.com, you say you drive growth and engage businesses by leveraging marketing fundamentals while creating momentum through storytelling backed by data. How do you do that? Could you give us a few examples? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It sounds complicated. It does,
1: but there's really just those three elements. It's the basics plus good storytelling plus results, the data. And I think part of that fundamental piece is the teacher in me. And really, the marketing fundamentals are so very important. People can get very hung up on, okay, should we be on TikTok? And then, okay, let's go back to the basics. Who are our customers? Where do they show up? If your customers are not on TikTok, you, my friend, do not need to be on TikTok. And so it really comes back to the basics of marketing. And so understanding an organization's value to their customer and then choosing those marketing channels that we think will best reach them and the tactics that will tell the value proposition story and connect to consumers in a compelling way. And then, of course, always looking at the data to see what is moving the needle so that we can make adjustments. I think marketing, it's, it's a lot like being a mad scientist. I think this is how life is, too. You, t- you know, you <laughs> try things. Some yeah. things work. Yeah. Some things don't. Um, and I had a friend the other day that was talking about failure and I kind of challenged her to like, what is failure even, what does that even mean? What does failure mean? Cause you learn, you realize what not to do more of or less of. And failure is just simply, it's almost just, if we could, it, it doesn't really exist. Cause what is failure? No matter what, you're going to learn something. And so this idea yeah. of always looking at the data just to, to, see what's moving. And I guess one concrete example of, of kind of going through this is one of my clients, which is the Minneapolis Realtor Association, um, also known as MAR, that's their acronym. And so I'm partnering with them. And the first thing we did, and this is, you know, 101 basic, is we looked at their marketing content calendar. And you can see the different messages that were going out in the different channels. And it was sort of disorganized. So together, what we did is we took a look and we created and reorganized the messaging to create consistent themes for every month. So every month, there is a theme and all the content, at least, you know, 80% of the content aligns to that theme. And then, you know, the storytelling, we looked at where we could infuse some emotional ties within their membership. So this is a member-based organization. And we created this rally cry or this campaign around the phrase, Mar Proud. So it was all about why a member (laughs) would be proud to be part of this organization. And so the brand started using it as a hashtag and now we're seeing members start to use this hashtag. And what it does is not only does it create this rally cry around membership, but it reinforces the idea that, you know what, we are really proud to be part of this organization. And then we put this marketing scorecard in place that reviews Metrics Weekly, and then we adjust the future content based on the results and the momentum that we're seeing. And the storytelling, you know, it, it doesn't have to be an elaborate story. The story there is you are you are proud to be a member of MAR. And storytelling is simply connecting to someone at that emotional level, You want facts and you want emotions that will engage people. And at the end of the day, marketing is about getting people to care. And the way you get them to care is to make them emotionally connect. And so that's where the storytelling comes in. How do we get people to emotionally connect with a brand? And then, of course, putting the data in place through a scorecard to verify, okay, actually, Instagram is the channel we need to focus on versus Facebook.
0: Ah, yes, That's excellent. I love the framing. It really is helpful. And I like the idea of having monthly things. Yeah, it does.
1: It just kinda helps to ground you. And I tell people this for their personal branding too. You know, think about what do you want to talk about every single month? You don't have to come up with something like if it's professional development month or maybe it's breast cancer awareness month and you're a survivor you know just thinking about the different themes and how it connects to your life can help just to give you a little bit of structure because i think where people flounder is just in the what am i supposed to talk about and even having those simple monthly anchors is is a great way for consistent messaging
0: yeah, flexible yeah. structure. Um, yeah, I I think that that is critical. I I um, yeah, I see that all the time. Well, I have kind of three um, more things before we close out our conversation today that I would just love yeah. to talk with you about. I I really enjoy blog videos. They're sh- short and to the point, like yours. Um you say it's important to show up on social media. Think of social media as prospect yes. warm up. I love <laughs> that. You have such a wonderful way of saying things. You know that make that make it um, more mm, approachable. So tell us more about yeah, that. Yeah, you know yeah. It's,
1: it's and I think again it's kind of bringing things back to 101. At the end of the day social media doesn't need to be scary. Just think of it as you're get you're letting people get to know you. You want someone to, because again, people don't typically do business with people they don't know and don't care about. And how do you get someone to know and care about you? You do that by sharing your perspective. You do that by sharing your expertise, your specific and unique point of view on things. And video is such a great way to convey your personality. And I know people get scared by video and it can feel, it can feel scary, but the more you do it, the easier it does get and that's where you can let your personality shine through, and when someone's watching you on video, it's like there's you're starting that relationship. They feel like, okay, I know what she's about. I know what she looks like when she smiles. I know her perspective on the importance of marketing basics. You can start to, again, kind of cross that bridge where relationships start, and it sounds so silly because it's It's video, and it's like you're not in front of the person, but it is such a great way to start to build a relationship, and that is what social media can do for you. So that's why I call it prospect warm-up, because then you are not anonymous.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you also um – uh, have a comment too about thinking of, you have a lot to say. And so I suggest everybody to go to um, your website, uh, vogoventure.com, because you, you have the video blogs in short three-minute videos that are really succinct and to the point. And you have a beautiful way of expressing things. And like, think of your brand as a promise. So what you say, what is the experience you want your customers to have?
1: So your brand, yes, your brand is all about how you want someone to feel in the moment they interact with you or your business. That is the promise of your brand. And so you can do this for your personal brand. You can do this with your business. How do you want people to feel? You might want people to leave you feeling filled up, like you are going to be a cheerleader for them. You want to leave people feeling inspired. As a business, you might want people to feel, you know what? This was comprehensive. They answered my questions. I got great service. But your brand is how someone feels in the moment they interact with you in your business. And you can think about people in your life that you get excited <laughs> to talk to or places like I love Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's makes me happy every time I'm in there. I always find like five things that I don't need, but I have to buy. Everyone in there seems really friendly. It's bright. And so when I think about going to Trader Joe's, I instantly get happy. And then there are places I think about going and it's like, oh, I got to go there parking is going to be a nightmare. Um, I'm going to stand in line forever. Right. And that is the brand that you associate with those places. So it's really important. And especially as a human to think about how are people leaving after I talk to them?
0: And that's in relationships
1: too. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, a hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Personal relationships. And, and so a lot of what you're saying is kind of an extension of, of how you're developing relationships with people.
1: Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's all life is. <laughs> it is relationships. It is how, how open is our heart to receive and how vulnerable can we be? And how can we pour our heart out while we are here on this earth? Like I truly believe that's what it's all about.
0: Mm, I love that. So to close out our wonderful conversation today, what are three suggestions that you have for yes. filling our okay, life? So spuckus. the first
1: one is answering the question. You said it in the beginning, what sets your soul on fire? And this is a deeply personal and subjective answer for everyone. Some people might be very passionate about pursuing things like art or music or dance, while other people might have, you know what, helping other people is why I'm here or making a difference in my community or working for a cause that I really believe in. Um, For others, it might be connecting with nature or personal growth or self-improvement. The key is to identify the activities, the experiences, and the values that give you that sense of fulfillment and purpose and joy, and then pursue that. You know, and a really great question that can help you unlock that. Some people are like, I don't know. I don't know what sets my soul on fire. A great question that can help with this is, what would you do if you won the lottery? You know, what would you do if money weren't an issue? I'm guessing Mm -hmm. you're going to do something that fills you up, that gets you excited, that fulfills your heart right so think about that um so that's the first one is answering that what sets your soul on fire question the second it's i mean to me it's everything yeah and i think if somebody hasn't answered that question stop what you're doing (laughs) and get clear on that (laughs) because you know we all have work to do in this lifetime and if you're doing something that's aligned with your purpose i mean that's when the real magic and fun happens yeah, okay, so that's absolutely. the first one. The second one is get clear on what you want your life to be. Here, and it sounds very simple, but this is where you grow up. Did you get married? Did you have kids? Um, did you get promoted? You think about all those different boxes on the list of what makes a successful life, and you check those off, and then you realize, you know what? I actually, <laughs> this isn't what I want. That checklist is not the life that I think makes a successful one. And so really thinking about what is it that you want your life to be? And you have to detach from society's expectations and look inward to uncover the person you were before the world told you how to be. And this takes time. Mm. This takes honesty. You have to get honest with yourself. You could be living in a big house looking around going, you know what? I want to live on a ranch in the mountains. Only you can answer that question. And so it takes introspection, honesty, and just that time. And I think if people really got clear on what they wanted, they would live such happier lives because I think sometimes we're living a life based on the success scorecard of somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the, third one, okay, and the third one schedule
1: it. And I know this isn't very sexy to put things on a calendar. I actually think it's very sexy, but how we spend <laughs> how <laughs> we spend our time <laughs> reflects what we prioritize in life. And if we don't make time for the things that we love or that we say are important, they simply won't happen. So when I schedule my week, I've got five different colors for five different things that are important to me. One of them is my relationships. One of them is my job. One, of, I've got birding time. I've got time just for me. Mm. Um, and I actually have napping time because naps are very important to me. So <laughs> I color code my calendar and I make sure that yeah. I put time for the things that I say are important because it's so easy to just let the days happen. And I remember one time in particular, a couple of weeks had gone by and I was feeling kind of restless and itchy and scratchy. And I realized like I hadn't drawn a bird in like four weeks and I'm like you know what that is that is soul Mm. food for me like I need to make sure that I'm making time to do those things that make my heart happy and so scheduling it is a key because you could get very clear on what you want to do in life you can know all the activities but if you don't put it in the calendar and make time for it it simply won't happen
0: I love Heather how you've spread your (laughs) wings and let your little bird out
1: I love that. We all have a little inner birdie. You have to let them out. Yes, I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very good. All right. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks, Heather, so much for sharing your wisdom and just who you are. I just love the beautiful way in which your life is unfolding.
1: And thank you so much for creating this space to have these really important conversations.
0: Oh, you're welcome. All right. I love that. Okay. We'll see you all next week. expand your leadership skills and become more resilient and competent as a business owner? Do you want to bring more meaning to your relationships and more purpose to your business? Are you ready to take charge of how you innovate, create, and run your business? Our dual innovation leadership process will help you redefine how you lead as you redesign your business. We collaborate with you to do what will work for you as you evolve and change. We start with where you are, whether you are turning around a financial crisis, growing to the next level, or somewhere in between. We address your immediate needs, shore up business development gaps, expand relational literacy, and build upon your entrepreneurial leadership skill sets with the short-term results orientation and a long-term perspective. Start by subscribing to this podcast at WeMentor.com or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you are ready to hire a mentor, contact me at Nancy at WeMentor.com when we mentor you create better life and a more fulfilling future as an entrepreneurial leader slash innovator as a competent business owner slash practitioner as a mentor slash role model and as a human being courageously living a meaningful life as Gandhi said be the change you wish to see in the world get involved today it's never too late to change your life and how you lead